Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 184 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So first of all, can we talk about the response to last week's episode? I don't usually start the show that way because it's like... It feels a little self-serving, right? Yeah, but but we heard from a lot of you. So if you listened last week, we talked about uh, this kind of idea that mommy needs a drink at the end of the day and all of the memes and cultural implications of that. And um, anytime we do a sensitive topic, you and I are a little nervous, right, Megan? We're like, right. Yes. Yeah. Don't know what the response will be. But it was so positive. It was. It was. And And um, not everybody like agreed with us. Well, it's not we didn't even really take a stand, honestly. But like, you know what I mean? Like some people had a different, slightly different um, perspective or whatever. But I felt like overall it was just very supportive and Yes. Like our people are. You guys are the best. So thank you to everyone who sent in emails and commented on social media. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, it's called Mommy Needs Wine and Other Problematic Mom Tropes. And it, yeah, it definitely struck, struck a chord, hit a nerve, those things. Um, I want to, I want to also throw in there that we made a recommendation to read um, Aidan Donnelly Rowley's blog. mm -hmm. And I had Kind of, I think I read two or three of her posts um, a few years ago, but right. I haven't really paid very close attention. And I went back one day and just read like probably 12 of her blog posts mm-hmm. around like probably from 2012 to 2014. And they were so good. Yeah. It's such good reading, even if, you know, this isn't something you think about that often or whatever. Yeah. It was really, really well done. And and it really kind of could be about any, like her whole point is like everybody has their thing. Yep. And, you know, figuring out what yours is, is part of, I guess, growing into motherhood and yeah. figuring this all, being a grown up, being a grown up, adulting. Oh man, yeah. do we have know, to? Right? We do. Um, so today's topic is fun. You recently celebrated a motherhood milestone. Will you tell us how long you've been a mom? I have been a mom for 21 years and some change now. So your motherhood, years. which also means you've been a mom 
pretty my much. My motherhood can drink <laughs> legally. I don't even know what to do with that. Like <laughs> the entity that is you as a mom is now a legal drinking age. But also it's almost half your life. I thought about that too. I think I like numbers. Uh, so I, it's yeah. more than half my life, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you will be 42 this year. So it's, yeah. you're coming to that point where, yeah. I guess that's been for it's starting a to outpace. Bit. Yes, it's outpacing yes, more me. than yeah. half your life. You have been a mom. So what we're talking about today is a, kind of a variety of things, but we're going to go back in time and talk a little bit about things that are have changed since we became a mom, because you've just had this 21 year milestone. I'm going on 10 and a half. Um, and then kind of at the last minute, I called up my mom and had her share some things about things that have changed since she became a mom, which spoiler alert was 39, almost 39 years ago. Um, I don't know what that's a spoiler for that. I'm 39 almost year, yeah. because everyone was like on the edge of their seat. Yeah. And now that they know <laughs> it's not like it's I've, ruined. I've, it's never, ruined. <laughs> I've never been secretive about my age. It just feels so like, I don't know, um, put an exact number on it. So yeah. that was kind of fun too. So you and I are going to chat about this. And then toward the end of the episode, we're going to weave in some of my mom's thoughts on, cause I think any amount think of so fun. hindsight and perspective, I think that's what we yeah. give to a lot of our new mom listeners. And then to get it an entire generation beyond that was kind of cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip on Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, <laughs> and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. So yeah. for, for perspective, you had Jacob yes. in late 98, 
correct? No, 97. 97. Do you see? I just yeah. wrote 98 in this outline. Like You thinking. did. I wondered why that was there, but no, that would yeah. be 20 years ago. Right. I can do math. I'm good at math. <laughs> you can. <laughs> um, so take us back to 1997. Do you remember some of the trends either for <sighs> either for baby stuff or even for yourself? Like every music, like what do you remember? Is that well, too broad a question? Oh, that's a very broad question. So here's here was what was interesting. And this is really nothing, not as much to do with what was happening in the world. But like I went from being a sophomore in college mm -hmm. to moving and like setting up, like getting married and setting up housekeeping in a city eight hours from where any of my friends lived. So I went, I, like my life so drastically changed yeah. that year that I almost feel like I completely checked out. Like I have no idea what the trends were. Right. I'm sure Adam Sandler was still making movies. <laughs> um, the music was sort of that late 90s pop. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, Britney started uh, yeah. to, I feel like that was like a year later, maybe a little yeah. Britney Spears yes. and sync and stuff. In sync and stuff. That stuff started really getting big like a year later. But yeah. I feel like 97 was a weird year for a lot of stuff. And But I missed it. I have no idea. Um, as far as baby trends, though, you know, I was I was actively. Um, this was a new like, world I was, for you. Yeah. This was a new world. So I immersed myself hardcore. I would say this was like a time of many large and clunky baby objects. Okay. And what's really funny to me is to think back to like what my mom would say, like, you guys have so much stuff that we never had. And it was a time of stuff. Like, I remember going into... Um, baby depot I think was one of that okay. was like like a furniture depot offshoot okay. and then uh, babies are us mm -hmm. which I think is still around it's I and think it's folding as we speak it is really yes I oh believe so listeners you can correct us if we're wrong but I'm pretty sure toys are us and babies are us I think they're going oh I forgot that they're from the same yeah yeah they're and the they're going bye-bye and bye-bye baby is owned by bed bath and beyond right and they're I think going now, strong I don't believe bye-bye baby existed yet or if it did, it was like city yeah. people went there. I did not have act. That would have been way too, way too fancy for me. Um, I didn't have like stores like Land of Nod and like those really right. cool. Like I, I didn't have access to those. I think there was probably Pottery Barn Kids. But, but it was like a catalog. That's shop. what I, yeah, it would yeah, have just been yes. a catalog for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was very firmly in the world of like Graco. And Costco, I think, yes. is that other brand. Mm -hmm. They're sort of mid-range, like, you know, like regular people stuff. Everything was systems. Like it was, you know, you didn't just have a stroller. All of a sudden you had a stroller system. You didn't right. just have a baby swing. It did other stuff. So yeah. they, were, they were starting to kind of toy with that. But everything still looked ugly. Yeah. Really, really ugly. Do you think, so did you think it was ugly at the time or did it look? No, is it, in, it just looked the way it looked. It was looked like baby crap. I don't know. Yeah. Like baby stuff looked like it was made for babies. Like there was no expectation that it would be stylish for you. No. Yes, got in, it. Okay, in that fact, is, I yeah. do remember, I do remember when I picked out our stroller system that we got for Jacob, that I went to the store and they had like your typical primary colors, right? Mm -hmm. And then they had one that was um, purple and teal. That was so very big. Yes. But there were two that had just been introduced. One was like a sage green and gray and one was navy blue and white. And the prints were still kind of vaguely babyish and not like cool, like nothing I really yeah. wanted, but they were so much better than the other two that I remember being like, oh, okay, like this isn't so bad. And that I ended up getting registering in for and getting the navy blue with like little Swiss dots, as okay. I recall. Um, it wasn't awful, but right. like I knew that it was preferable to the other stuff, but like 
it didn't really if someone had gotten me the other one i would have been like oh okay right like, i just didn't care that yeah much. because and i was, got plenty of hand-me-downs yeah that were all very like early 90s and late 80s ugly yeah and i didn't i didn't care <laughs> just it was a toy it was a it was an object it was a device it yeah. wasn't supposed to be an extension of my fashion because then. and we will get so. into this later but because you were not expected to have like a style spread of your home in every no. instagram picture because nope. there was no instagram but we will get into that yeah, well exactly. i was just gonna say that so i became a mom in spring of 2008. So I got pregnant in 2007. So just a little over 10 years later than you. Um, I do think that a lot of the gear was starting to be in prints that were more, more um, marketed toward moms. I do remember like, and again, it wasn't, Mm. we weren't in the Instagram land yet, but I do remember thinking that the pattern of my pack and play high chair swing, of course, they all matched each other. And I thought they all had to match. Um, but I remember thinking it was really pretty. So that is maybe an evolution. I did go to Baby's RS. I think Bye Bye Baby was around, but I didn't have it. So we'll have okay. to look into that. But it's just interesting. So 10 years later, I and I remember really liking the color of the um, Chico car seat and stroller. I, it was a red, but like my favorite, like cherry red. So uh-huh. I definitely remember thinking this was like kind of a style choice for me. Nothing compared to what it is now. I mean, now right. the stuff would look clunky and ugly to me. But that's why I asked if you thought... It, but you you were saying like you didn't think here nor it there. It didn't occur it. to me. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I do feel like I made those choices in the same way I'd pick out, you know, curtains for my house or something. Like it felt right. like a fun, it did feel like a stylish choice, even though mm-hmm. looking back, I mean, they, they're not that stylish now. But the, yeah. And then I was going to ask, because you were so um, technology forward. Do you remember like what would have been the kind of hot new technology or mode of communication that was just emerging for you? Because I think this is, this is, well, applies to everybody. I was, I was technology forward in some ways, but I've never been a big gadget person. Um, John always was very technology forward when it came to like communications. We always had good computers. We always had phones. And like, you had, had internet, you had internet like before most people. Cause yes, I had internet in 97 and I yeah. had a cell phone in 97. Well, he, uh, try to remember if we both had cell phones. I know he had to have one for work. And I think I think somehow we were able to get a second one, but we could only like call each other on it or something. I don't remember. But we <laughs> right. had a very early we had very early cell phones. We had pretty decent internet. We had the, whatever the best or best possible Internet within reason was for any time we had. So I was online in 97 um, and I had a phone. I didn't text people. Right. That wasn't what I used to cell phone no. for. And it was actually a Nextel. So we could like bloop, bloop to each other oh, but like okay yeah remember those uh because he worked in utility so like there was and that was all the dudes were always maybe being each other but we didn't text um i don't remember getting really into technology but i will say i think the things that were becoming big then were well things that made music things that played uh, yes. you know terrible annoying music were had been kind of coming up but i feel like it was starting to spread into other things like bouncy seats and stuff and I think that monitoring monitor technology was getting a lot. Oh, better. baby monitors. So, okay. Yeah. I think they were becoming wireless um, or cordless. I mean, and I think maybe the very early preliminary video monitors were becoming more available, but I mean, I lived in a teeny apartment. It didn't even occur to me. Can I tell you something? I mean, I had babies in 2008, 2010 and 2013. So well after you and I never had a baby monitor, A, that worked consistently or that held a charge or that could be unplugged. And the only video one I ever had was something you and I did with a sponsor. So I I got it as part of a campaign and when it worked, it was good, but it had to be rebooted like you have to reboot your modem. Yeah. Like I honestly... 
I don't, I hope they've gotten better for you people, but they're so, they're, they're expensive <laughs> yeah. and they were finicky. So like, I feel like I might as well have had a 1994 baby monitor for my entire yeah. time of having babies through 2014. Yeah. I never, th- I don't think any of them were ever, they're, they can be very creepy too. Like, yeah. you ever sat at someone's house and listened to the baby monitor and like all the sounds <laughs> it picks up? It's quite, I don't know, there's something a little bit disturbing about it, but also because of the way I parented babies, like. Typically, when my babies were small enough that I was thinking about a monitor, they were close to me yes, someplace. Agreed. That was just the way I did things. So it, it was sort of superfluous. And I know that we had one with Jacob, but I remember like someone gave it to us at the, yeah. at the shower. But I was like, oh, I really what do, I do with this thing. Yeah, and- I use mine very infrequently. The main time I used them was during naps when I had a two story house um, because it was yeah. I was far enough away. But at night we were just down the hall and I don't like sleeping with a baby monitor by my bed because it keeps me awake more than the baby. So yes, I would just you're rather like, you're so yeah. on high alert, like yeah. listening, like wondering what you're hearing. Yeah, it's agreed. so funny. OK, well, we digressed. Um, how about some things that were not a thing? I mean, a lot of things weren't a thing, but things that weren't a thing 21 years ago that that you think are important for new moms now in one way or the other. Well, I mean, smartphones, just yeah. like I said, most people didn't even have cell phones. I, I don't remember being able to text with anybody until probably William was a baby. Like I it was wasn't a thing yeah. with Jacob or Isaac. Um, anything like, like kind of alternative, like cloth diapers or slings, you typically had to buy them in a specialty store or online. And there were like very few options. Um, I want to say when Isaac was born, so that was 19 years ago, there were like two or three major sling companies. Okay. And now there, you know, then there was an explosion of them Mm -hmm. that might have, that might have gone the other direction. Maybe there was a glut and now it's narrowed down. But I, I remember there was like. Um, you could get the over the shoulder baby holder, which you could buy anywhere, basically. But okay. they were they were kind of god awful. They okay. were like they had the padded rails and the big thing. They had the ring and then like the big piece of fabric that hangs down. And at least that's how they were. And they okay. were in really tacky prints. Um, and then there was the Maya wrap, which is like the kind of scaled down version of that. They were always in some kind of tribal print. Okay. And then there was like, and then they had the pouch and I always had the pouch, but okay. anyway, the, uh, maternity clothes were terrible. I remember crying in the dressing room when I was pregnant with Jacob and finally went to go buy maternity clothes at, I don't know, Sears or pennies, wherever right, I could because, get them. So like target and old Navy now have cute maternity sections. They Not to mention like now there's these things like, you know, the subscription box maternity clothes, yeah. the cute boutiques, the not to mention not, like leggings and long tank tops that yeah. you can wear for two thirds of a pregnancy. So, yeah, I'm not even sure motherhood maternity was really. There was a Mimi maternity in the mall. It was way too expensive for me. Yeah, a lot I, of I those are very one, expensive. Yeah, I bought like one special occasion dress there. Actually, it might have been my wedding dress now that I think about it. Um, but. I think there was a motherhood maternity, but even motherhood maternity clothes were ugly. Like it was just, everything was made without, without thought for style. I think they were getting there. Like they were trying to make them a little bit more trendy, but they weren't flattering. You know, you, you, the idea that you could be pregnant and look cute um, in your clothing and have them fit you correctly and not just be this sort of oversized version of like baby clothes, which sometimes what they look, they look, look like baby clothes. Right. Um, they were bad. Nursing clothes were even worse. Like they had these odd slits that didn't, I mean, it was so obvious or like the boxy, you know how lots of times there's like the top that's like mm-hmm. a layer over the top. Mm-hmm. Well, it looked, you could tell what it was. It was just bad. Um, that changed a lot though, between babies number one and two, and then like three and four. So mm-hmm. by the time William came along, 
there was a maternity section at Target where they really had elevated. Um, motherhood had gotten a lot better. Uh, motherhood, maternity, other mm-hmm. things had popped up. So I think there was just more options. Um, baby gear, like I was saying, still looked like it was designed for babies to look at, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. instead of being a, an extension of mom and dad's style. Blogs were not a thing. So all of my pregnancy, birth, and baby information came from books, magazines, mm-hmm. and websites. And there weren't that many. And everybody in those websites um, interacted anonymously. Okay. Which is very different from yes. today. Very different. Well, that's a good place for me to jump in because having a baby in 2008, I did have a cell phone, of course. It was a black, a small BlackBerry. So it was a smartphone, but I didn't get my first iPhone until 2010. So I wasn't doing anything photo based mm-hmm. or really I wasn't doing much web stuff on my phone, even though it technically had that. I think I had it mostly to get work emails and and it was so small. And anyway, but blogs were definitely a thing in 2008. You had one. Well, I guess I don't know. When did you start the happiest mom? 2009. Yeah. So you had one where we're about to have one and there were many, many, many mom blogs. And I've talked on this show before how there were a lot of funny moms on Twitter. Twitter was a thing. Mm. Instagram Mm -hmm. was not a thing. Literally wasn't invented. Neither was Pinterest because I looked up Excuse me. I looked up these dates just for this episode because I wanted to be sure I was right. So um, Pinterest and Instagram both launched in 2010. Um, Facebook, I think, is 2006. I got on in 2008. But as we all know, it was so different. It was very, very different then from what it is now. But I was on it. Um, But blogs were a thing. And the ability to find good writing and and good information and funny writing and um, just to be kind of informed and inspired was totally a thing when I had my first baby, whereas for you, it wasn't. So that's like, that is a pretty big shift. I wasn't consuming those blogs on my phone the way it would become a couple years later. So I guess I was sitting at my computer, I don't know, on on maternity leave, I guess. I had like an old work laptop. Um, I don't know. But a couple of other things that I mentioned or wanted to mention that weren't not a thing is Amazon Prime, like the ubiquitousness of having everything mm-hmm. to your doorstep in one or two days um, was not there. I guess Amazon Prime technically launched in 2005, but I don't remember people using it the way we use it now for everything. I don't think they had like every household item, every everything that you would ever need. So we'd have to figure out when that happened, but I don't remember prime being a thing for a few more years. So that's a big one. Cause if I had to go, I had to go to babies RS or target if I needed stuff like that. So that yeah. that's a pretty big shift that I think moms now just, you know, it's just, you just order it. Um, right. And then this idea of kind of styling your entire family, I think, I know we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about, Instagram in particular, but that was not a thing, even though social media was, it was there and it was happening, but this, um, kind of aesthetic around new motherhood and babies and families, the way it is now compared to 10 years ago is night and day. So I don't know. I don't know if you kind of remember that transition, but you were in the blogging world. So you, you would have had to remember when things were, like you said, anonymous and blog based, and then all of a sudden visual and kind of um, magazine style, almost like we, we've yeah. all got to look that well, way. Well, we were in it. It was on, what's funny is in the late, two, what was it, like the late aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so like 2005, six, I mean, four, five, six, seven, eight. I was blogging, but I didn't have, I wasn't like really running a blog of my own the way. I, th- right. I blogged at my own website and I um, contributed to other blogs. I had a blog for big families. It was very much 
text oriented. Mm -hmm. You put crappy pictures in there. Um, a lot of people had them, but it still wasn't like it wasn't a mass thing. Like nobody I knew in real life read blogs right. at all. Um, I remember writing an article for American ba uh, American Baby Magazine about blogging. I was assigned the article in 2004. They did not run it until 2008. <laughs> so I had to go back. <laughs> I had to go back and like check to make sure all those people still had blogs and like that they wanted to be quoted still, that everything was still accurate. They, I think they must have decided it wasn't a thing enough to have mm -hmm. it be in the magazine. They held it for four years, which was pretty funny. Um, I got on Twitter in 2008. I was on Facebook in 2007 or eight, but like, yeah, I was sitting on my computer. I mean, all of my computers, the, this computer I have right now is the first one. I think and I just got it that won't have, um, first of all, dented edges because you know how you'd be holding a computer and then your baby kicks and it flies off your lap. <laughs> um, I had the keys poked off because I had babies who, while they're nursing would play kick with the keys. It. <laughs> or kick at it but they would like slide their little fingers under the key and like mess with it and they were gross they were always sticky like they always had some kind of jelly or something because i literally was on my computer with babies crawling all over me yeah and, and so for toddlers. me for me that would have been smartphones just not the yeah. very very beginning then i think i had neither <laughs> i mean i yeah. would go and sit at the i would sit at the table but my laptop then was so big and clunky and it was a work laptop i wouldn't have wouldn't have gone there. And then iPads came out. And I remember thinking that the iPad was going to be kind of like my new mom buddy in the way that you used your computer, something lighter mm -hmm. to read blogs and have on my lap. And then I think the phones got so much better quickly. And the iPhone, I just thought, I don't, I don't need to hold an iPad in my lap. I've got a phone. So again, yeah. that, that 10 year difference is definitely where that's, where that is. Well, and I remember before I had um, consistently had good laptops, I remember sitting at my desktop computer with two sometimes three nursing pillows stacked <laughs> yeah. so that I could have good posture yeah. and nurse and be on my computer at the same time and I got really good at like you kind of had to have like one hand kind of slid under the pillow uh -huh. I can picture you can't it go over the top you know <laughs> you can have like one arm go around and that can be like your mousing hand and the other one can type but like you have to have one hand that's like on the keyboard and you know you got good at that like you know, moms get good at finagling and yeah. it's like a part of my muscle memory because I can yeah. remember how that felt to have to finagle to make the yeah. technology like fit into my life. It's, um, it's so, so funny. <laughs> it's funny. But yes, your question was actually about like a styling our lives. And yeah. I would say that show started happening in earnest when you and I were working together on the mm -hmm. blog. So like 2012. I would say 2012. Yeah. Suddenly there was this influx of people in this space who had really good com uh, cameras and knew how to use them. And they just had, even the um, blogging conferences I went to changed like really dramatically. I remember one year going to one that I'd always been sort of like an old, you know, like a, like an old sage or something at, well, not even old sage at that time. I was like young and part of a kind of up and coming crowd. And then one year I'm like, oh my gosh, how come everybody is seven years younger than me? And Looks very like business model. oriented <laughs> and they all look like models. It was a very different thing. And, and it became very businessy and very savvy in a way that I was not like prepared for really. So um what the what's cool about that is it made us all have better like fun, great, beautiful content to look at, which I mm -hmm. think is great. The downside of that is then now everyone's got Instagram. Everyone's got, you know, not blogs necessarily, but everyone's got a Facebook page. And now we all feel like our feeds have to resemble Yes. So it was very curious. Like no one used to think that your blog had to look like Better Homes and Gardens. Right. Like, it just wasn't even a thing. But now there's this weird mix. There's this weird um, 
blurring of the lines between normal person yes. and influencer brand and yeah. influencer. Yeah. And everybody thinks of themselves as an influencer, whether they know they're thinking that or not. They're, right. they're trying to they're trying to not just aspire to that life, but also the representation of that life. Yes. Um, so it raises the bar. It does. And there have been some really good conversations on this podcast, both both with guests that we've had on and various times where we've talked about it, where we talk about it is it is really gray, murky area, because on the one hand, you know, you want to be a voice of positivity online. You and I both have like our Instagram. We have Instagram for the mom hour and you want to put out good, nice, well-curated content. That's part of our role as professionals, as influencers. But at the same time, like there's this backlash against anything that's not quote unquote real. So we also need to keep it real. But what does that mean? And where is the privacy line? Like it is, it is something we think about that I don't think anybody had to think about 10 years ago. And that includes whether you're a content creator or not, you know, the thought of like, how will this be perceived? What am I putting out there? And some people are maybe approaching it from like wanting to look perfect all the time, but other people are, are approaching it like, maybe not wanting to look perfect all the time and wanting to be real, but no matter what, everyone's thinking about it, I think. Yeah, no, I, I totally think you're right. And I know, I remember for me, there was a push pull when I was blogging um, in 29, you know, or mm-hmm. 2009 through, what was it, 2015? That we kind of shut down the happiest home. Mm-hmm. Um, in that I didn't write a lot about my kids specifically, like their lives weren't the focus, almost feeling this uncomfortable sense, like this has a shelf life because what people want are stories about families and they want to follow, they want my kids to be characters in this. Mm-hmm. And that was never what I, at least not with that blog. That wasn't what I did. Right. So it was kind of like at that point, especially, but I, I think it's now it's, it's just gotten more visual. Mm-hmm. Um, in those days, it was more writing focused. People were really writing a lot about their kids to the point where people felt like they knew their kids. Yeah. Like people on the outside felt like they knew these um, bloggers children. And I just didn't do that. And so there was some that actually, I think in a way was limiting, but yeah. that's okay. Like I was a yeah. choice I made and maybe I don't even know that I made that choice consciously. I think yeah. for me, it just made it easier to keep a little privacy yeah. for me. Right. Um, but it's just interesting now to look and see, especially all these years later, some of those old school bloggers are still going. Yep. And their kids, you know, have been known this whole time. Yep. It's yep. Fascinating. Yeah, me. that is fascinating. And also fascinating to think about. If you're a new mom in 2018 and let's say you got on Instagram around when it launched, that's eight years of your adult life where you've been consuming content before becoming a mom. So there's like this whole, yeah. whereas like for you and I, those platforms developed after we had kids and we had to figure out yep. how that worked in. Whereas now it's so native. I don't know. It's just interesting. Um, yeah. Well, a couple more things that I think are worth mentioning that have changed a lot, in my opinion. Um, one is this like ability to have information on demand, like about, about anything. It could be a recipe on demand or information. I think pediatricians even now have like web portals where you can go in and post Mm -hmm. a question and like just the, the urgency to have questions answered. I think, well, there's two sides. I think one, the access to information is always a good thing. I mean, I think it's a good thing if we can get good information in the quickest way possible, but I do also think it's created like almost a frenzy of, I don't know, Googling stuff and expecting. And then, and then it puts the onus on us to be like the curators of that information and decide what's, what's what. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on like your very first, like say pediatrician information or medical information for your baby, you Mm. would have had to look in a book or call the doctor, right? Yeah. The thing that I think 
is a little different about that is that by the time my third came out, say mm-hmm. my third came out of my body, <laughs> by the time my third his baby came re- his out, his release date. Yeah, his release date was 2003. And by that point, you know, there was WebMD, I'm pretty sure. If not, there was everything else. I mean, there was only really Jacob came out in a time when I couldn't at least look up rudimentary information. Now, what I didn't have was contact. Mm -hmm. I couldn't contact a doctor. Um, I couldn't easily online contact a lactation consultant, say something like that. So in some ways, I think that that was limiting. Like there, I think there's ways that it would have been really great for me to be able to make actual contact yeah. with people. But the information, it was there. You just, there wasn't as much of it. And you, you, you had to be savvier about search because search sucked right. back then. You know, there was like four or five search engines and they weren't very intuitive. Um, but that's okay. Cause it was also coincided with the time of my life that I was most motivated mm-hmm. to search and the most like willing to dig in and yeah. really, really do the research. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how different that is. I yeah. do know. I do know what that I laugh about this with my friends all the time. Like, you know, should we wait and f- see if we could figure this out or should we just look it up? Right. Like, yes. How much do we want to know yeah. this thing? I, yeah. Uh, Je- <laughs> Over the summer, Jen and I were going into the woods with the boys. And like, as we were leaving cell, like we had like our last bar of uh-huh. cell phone um, coverage. We got in this conversation about some soap opera from like the 90s. And we couldn't remember like what this woman's name was. And right. so I'm looking it up and I said, you do realize we're using our last, <laughs> our last bars <laughs> of internet for two days to look up this person. This is not going to change our lives. And if we get eaten by bears, this is the last thing that's going to be on my phone. When they find my phone and try to find evidence of like how we spent, you know, they're going to find us looking up this C-list actor. So anyway, it was just, I, I think that that's changed. Um, I don't know that that's as big of a change for motherhood for me, but okay. maybe, I don't know. I don't know. What well, about you? No. So I think, I think you're right. I think the Googling has been there for a long time. Um, I think maybe where I was headed and this was my next point was like the expectation that you have access to kind of like professional help in all areas. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about, like you said, like, like immediate chat with a lactation consultant is a great example. Um, things I'm seeing now is like um, sleep training and, and a sleep yeah. coach, like the prevalence of people who are available to come in a professional capacity and help you as a new mom. I, I'm, I'm going to come down neutral on this. I think for, in a lot of yeah. In a lot of situations, this is a godsend, right? Like, um, and so this is nothing against the sleep coaches out there or anybody who sought out a sleep coach. However, I think the expectations have shifted to where now there's like, there is a, there's a solution out there or something you can buy or pay for or sign up for, for mm-hmm. everything. And I'm not sure yes. that the abundance of that is like, I almost feel like it's, it's gone so far. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't no, know. I don't know if it's the totally part of right. me that likes to solve my own problems. Like I am like a really resourceful person. So part of me is like, ah, do we need like another boot camp or another email sign up or another app? Or or could we just like go with our gut and try and figure it out and see what happens? I, it's it's the urgency to solve a problem that I feel like is at a kind of at a high right now. Yeah, that and I think the number of experts and I'm going to put that in quotes mm-hmm. that are now taking advantage of and, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily you know um, but exploiting that that rush yes to be have your problems be immediately solved I think can open up for like open people up to 
again, I don't want to say being taken advantage of. That's not right. Cause I know that there's a lot of, I mean, I've done coaching and yeah. we've, we both have services that we recommend that we think are great, um, that do this, like that connect you with those people, um, automatically. But like, I just think that there's, it's just very possible to spend a lot of your money and time. Yeah. Um, trying to get someone to walk you through something that maybe you don't need them to walk you through. Or so to solve a problem that is like a regular part of life. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know. Maybe this is like, maybe we're being crotchety here, but Maybe. Um, well, and I don't think it's all good or all bad, right? right. So no, like, I agree. I agree. You know, we, I think that there's, there's ways that being able to access a, a professional right away is great. Mm -hmm. I and agree. sometimes you don't need an expert right then. Right. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. well, well said. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today. And I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the high vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so I think it would be helpful here to kind of zoom back out and talk about why does any of this matter? I mean, we have listeners out there who are brand new moms, and I'm kind of thinking like what things are going to be different? What things are they going to look back on and say that changed? And and what does it even matter? Like what's yeah. what, what's the point? Do you have any well, thoughts yeah. on that? You know what's funny? Like I have been thinking about this because like when I became a mom, my sister was probably my my most um closest parenting role model. She was 10 years older than me and had been a mom for, uh, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years by that point. No. Yeah. Seven or eight years by that point. So she already was like on the cusp of doing things outside of the trend on some ends and coming into the, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. she was a little ahead of the trends in some places, a little behind mm -hmm. in others, which meant that I was kind of ahead but like on different things because everything flip flops yeah. and I'm not talking about stuff. We talked about stuff and that's stuff is just one thing. Like stuff is just the, what we're surrounded by, but I mean like attitudes and we talk yeah. about this a lot, Sarah, about how, you know, whether, whether it comes to um, how we handle medical issues or feeding or whatever the topic du jour is birth, all those things, mm -hmm. there's a circle and there's a cycle, everything changes and, and it, it keeps moving forward. Like we're never going to go back to kids like crawling around the front seat without a car seat. Right. And we're never going to go back. I don't think to like twilight sleep. Right. But like those, those things 
we keep like moving, we inch forward, but it's still like a circle yeah. inching yeah. forward and things come into Vogue and go out of Vogue. Mm-hmm. So I guess it, I guess I would just say that there's a place for looking at what the latest research, latest research mm-hmm. says, but try to keep it in perspective and in context. Mm-hmm. Um, try to understand that public health is one thing mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily like what's happening and our public, or I, I guess not even public health isn't the right word, but like there's what's good for the world and it, as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then there's what's good for your family. Mm-hmm. And those two things might not always mm-hmm. I like, like that. completely like mm-hmm. mesh at any given time. And then also like things are just going to keep changing. Well, and I think it gives moms permission to number one, permission to like feel ambivalent about the, yeah. like current trends. Like it's okay not to, be sure about whatever mm-hmm. you're unsure about. But it also gives moms, I think, like permission to give our own moms credit for what they did. They did the best yep. with what they had. And like, no one needs to hold on so tightly to the quote unquote right way that we're doing yeah. things right now. And that's like, it's kind of a recipe for unhappiness anyway. We've talked about that a million times, but I think having this like quote unquote historical perspective really helps because we can see that like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, people were doing the best with the information they have and that you're doing the yeah. same thing right now. You just don't have that benefit of perspective hindsight. And if, and if you're doing something that seems a little fringy right now, or you're not seeing a lot of support for it, just wait 10 years. Yeah. That is going to change. I mean, I always laugh when I think about the way things have changed about how babies are fed. For yeah, example. You, you've said um, that about yeah. baby led weaning that like now it's yes. a thing where you were like, it's I was doing that. And when I was doing it, like it was weird. And so uh-huh. like things like that, or like, um, I remember like moms really having a tough time if they were trying to find foods that were gluten free or or nut free. I mean, can you yeah. imagine now having yeah. a, like having anyone give you a hard time about gluten free? It's right. everywhere. Yeah. But 15 years ago, it yeah. was a thing. People yeah. needed it. People were looking for it. But it was seen as kind of fringy. Yeah. So those things are always going to continue to change. And that might not help you right now if you're struggling with feeling like a little bit of a weirdo because. Yeah. You either have a special need or you do things differently. But I mean, it just it does kind of feel like some kind of smug validation later yeah and maybe it does maybe maybe it helps somebody who has felt judgmental of people on the fringe and maybe it helps open your eyes a little bit to like we don't know we don't know what is gonna come down the pike um okay so I thought I would ask you since you're at this 21 year mark do you have any thoughts about things that are gonna change going forward that like places where we are now that you see evolving yeah I mean I look back with a lot of fondness actually for those forum days when, when, I mean, and this is even predating blog comment sections, but like truly forums where people got to know each other under a handle and mm-hmm. people were very private about the way they raised their kids. And I don't mean private in a, like hide the bad stuff kind of a way or be afraid to talk about things publicly, but it's, but it, like we were talking about with this, everyone's an influencer, everyone's mm-hmm. a brand, everyone has to be so out there about parenting and not everybody wants to be. Mm-hmm. And, and even those who want to be like, Say you want to be sometimes, but you don't want to be all the time. Or like you want to share some pictures, but you don't want to share all the pictures. And I think I'm hoping that in general, um, that the internet might become a little less centralized again Mm -hmm. and like less focused on Facebook Mm -hmm. or Instagram or like these major platforms where like every, like where you're putting yourself out there so publicly and might start kind of forming again around really specific tribes and interests. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a really good thing actually. Um, I also, one other thing that I was thinking about, again, kind of this idea of everything becoming like, like the universe expanding and then maybe you're attracting yeah, a little bit again yeah. is 
with all these products and brands, I think it's awesome how much more choice there is these days, but I think that it can become really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it can add pressure. Like we were talking about, if you can coordinate your baby's nursery or the stroller and the car seat and the wardrobe, and why, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Right. If you only have four brands to choose from and everyone else around you is kind of choosing from those same four brands, it does add like a simplicity. Yep. Everything doesn't have to be a personal extension of your style, including your baby necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would love to see that ease up a bit. Yeah, I, I, I would as well. Um, that's so interesting. I, what I made a note of is kind of similar, but it was actually more about our kids. And I am kind of hoping that the way, you know, you've had teenagers for a while now and seen how kids are online. And I have only, I only know what I read from moms like you and kind of what I pick up, but I have sort of been watching and waiting and hoping for the way that our kids, uh, deal with, being public on the internet for that to, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, um, I'll not catch up. I mean, we will never catch up because technology is always farther ahead than right. we are socially, but for there to be a kind of foundational understanding of what it means to be public online, what the repercussions of that are, what the tools kids need to interact with each other online, as well as interact mm-hmm. in person. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like a topic I find really interesting. And I'm hopeful that the adults of my generation and your generation, even a little older than us, are their knowledge is catching up so that we can kind of like be in that world with our kids and support them. Did that make sense at all? Totally. I think there was a generation of kids who got online before any adults knew how to support them. And what I'm hoping is that parents like me who now have 10 year olds and have, you know, I've been on the internet for 20 years that I will be a better support than maybe a generation ago parents were able to be. And that the, that the, just the norms around internet use and internet sharing and privacy will have caught up a little bit. I don't know. Is that I, too, yeah, no, too I totally. <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the thing, you know what I think is going to change. I, I have been reading a lot lately about technology and, um, Silicon Valley and yeah. just kind of how this whole tech boom has like the direction it's gone in. Yeah. And I am hopeful that kids like the young people today are going to, instead of focusing on how to make the most amount of money they possibly can with mm-hmm. technology are going to take all this brain trust mm-hmm. and these smarts and this incredible, incredible vast knowledge that we have access to and uh, capabilities that mm-hmm. we that are amazing and use it to like do some good. Like mm-hmm. I would really like to see that because yeah. I feel like at first it was like, oh, like we can do this, so let's do it, yeah. and then let's find a way to monetize everything, and then let's yeah. make everything make people super rich. And I'm hopeful that like the same kids who are making real change happen, um, you know, like the kids in Florida last year yeah. with the school shootings mm-hmm. and all that. Like I feel like those kind of kids yeah. are going to come up and do something different. I yeah. don't know that it's going to be the adults now doing yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's going to be the kids that are going to do it. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that is an uplifting way to look at it. And but then, they're smart. So yes. they can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then related to that is I, I'm just seeing a lot of like cultural anxiety the last few years, you know, politically, mm-hmm. environmentally, like, you know, it's just out there. But I think if there's an upside to that, I also see more adults kind of taking charge of their own mental health and the importance of maternal mental health, postpartum mental health, mm-hmm. kids and mental health. And I I do think that hopefully we're swinging to a place where kids are going to see, have examples of adults taking care of themselves and maybe less stigma around certain mental health issues. And I don't know. Yeah. So I think that's a, that would be a welcome shift too, I think. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. 
All right. Well, um, you guys are going to hear my chat with my mom, some snippets of her wisdom. Megan, anything else? You heard it before uh, before we started recording this. Do you want to set no, it up? No, it's just fascinating because yeah. I think it just it just shows you how things are just going to continue. Yep, change. it is. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. before we wrap up real quick, I want to let you guys know that this Friday we have another special holiday bonus episode. So look for that. We're going to be talking about setting intentions for our December this year. Um, and then also, if you missed it on Instagram, I will link up a super cute video of my kids making snow. So you have real it snow. So cute. We yeah. have, we got Insta snow with our partnership <laughs> with Spangler Science Club. So I will link that up in the show notes. And um, if you're looking for great gift ideas, for kids like 5 to 12 ages. Um, check out that video and check out our sponsor, Spangler Science Club. All right. Do you remember what you were told about starting solids and then like food and stuff? Um, first of all, with the nursing, we were told every four hours. Okay. Try to keep it to four hours. If, if you have to go three hours and then you can nurse. But there was a lot of anxiety for me around that. It, that was unnecessary stress, but it came from not knowing, yeah. you know, that, that was the advice of the day is to you wait three to four hours. Otherwise you're going to be what they say, you're going to be nursing all the time. So you don't want that. So that's what we got. But then I was told six months, you could be done nursing at six months. And that's what I did with you. So, and then baby food was big. First cereal as I remember, and then, you know, work into the other foods, but it was, it was definitely baby food. It was the organic baby food I don't think existed. Okay, so let's switch gears. Can you think of another, I mean, everything, sleep, napping, well, cars? I, the other thing that came to mind is the stuff. We didn't have, we had very limited choices of what to buy for your baby. Uh, one of the things we had, which I don't see anymore, is playpens. Playpens mm -hmm. were were part of raising your your baby. It was a place to put them. So they didn't get in, you know, yeah. into trouble when you were busy. So yeah. it was thought of as a safety thing, but it was a play place too. You had toys and, yeah. and I don't see that as much. Were they like um, bigger than the pack and plays that we have? They were bigger and they were flat on the floor. Then I, I actually do think they got, the, the play pins got more like a, a pack and play, but low to the ground mm -hmm. with the kind of netting. Yeah. I think that's what we had. So that was one of the things that I think was an important you always had a playpen and now yeah, I feel like maybe we should bring that back yeah it is kind of nice to have a place to have them know they're safe while you run to the bathroom or you're you know whatever yeah and I do think the stuff that is so much more available is it's not really like it's going overboard it's just not necessary you you don't have to have them right. to raise your baby they are nice right. to have this is a different section, but it was something that was important to me or that I've seen a difference is, and I've, we've talked about it, is the access to information, access to support Yeah. Uh, as a mother. So what was that like? Well, for me, and, you know, I would say I was pretty progressive. I, I tried to find out the latest and the greatest and all of that. I had one little, it was a, it was, it was almost pamphlet size, but it was a little tiny book publication that came out once a month and it was called yeah. welcome home. And I just waited for that thing to come every month because it was so supportive and it gave, you know, um, encouragement, information, even some poetry, you know, something that was a supportive thing for mom. And now it, it, gratefully for this generation, there is so much good information out there and yeah. so much support 
for for moms that maybe don't have, you know, they're they're where they can't go out much or right. they maybe they've moved or they don't have a good network of friends and friends were you know you're all at the same point so yeah. having that so i think that that's one of the things that's really um a, a wonderful thing for this generation of moms and to go with that i was going to say that i also think back when i was when you guys were tiny i think the awareness that we need that was coming out yeah where before raising kids was a very private thing. And if you had trouble with your kids, it was a very private thing. You didn't talk about it. And I think that I was kind of at the beginning of the understanding that it's not, it's, it's not so easy and we don't yeah. all have the answers and we shouldn't have the, all the answers and we need a network. And now it seems like we're reaching out, women are reaching out more outside of their families for information to give support all of that but i think that i do feel like that was a uh, time of a little bit of opening up um last question is can you be the voice of grandma then and say like what would be the biggest differences from when you like 1950s when you were born anything that comes i mean like the obvious one is like sliding around in the back seat of a car like no you know didn't she right. hold babies like she held babies while she drove, right? I think what she meant, and I think I remember this, is a, a, a one-year-old or two-year-old would stand behind her on the seat. <laughs> we had bench seats, so it was a way that they oh, wouldn't so, roll, oh, wow. roll around. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, I mean, I, I remember a couple, act, well, I remember one in particular where I went rolling and, you know, hit, cut my eye and. You know, it was an active place in that car. <laughs> but the the other part of it too is that the 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 good side of that, if you want to call it a good side, was we had so much fun in the car. I mean, we would be on the floor in the back playing, you know, on the floor right <laughs> yeah. behind the driver's seat, and you know, sports. And it, we when we went to grandma and grandpa's in you know up by Seattle, it was quite a long ride then the roads were not quite as good so it was a longer ride it was like six or eight hours but we would be in the back seat with sleeping bags having the best time it wasn't like you just sat in your car seat you were playing it was yeah. like a playground back there that's so funny well and then I you know. just think and you lived to live to and tell we the lived to tell it <laughs> Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if mom, our listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.